Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 1, 1 through 14, called The House of Bitter Bondage. Now, we're going to have a genealogy here, and it's going to list this family, because you guys need to just be reminded, and, and this may be new for some of you, that the 12 tribes of Israel are Jacob's sons. So the promise from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, he's renamed Israel, and then he has 12 boys, and there's also a daughter. And those 12 boys become the 12 tribes which the story now continues of their sojourn or their time in Egypt and then their deliverance. And so the genealogical, genealogical record is important just to document this. And these are the sons. They are Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Uh, there's a little question as to the order, but some would just say there's a matriarchal order here. These four come through Leah, who was Jacob's first wife. Now, he was tricked into marrying Leah, remember? On the wedding night, she had a veil on. He thought he was marrying his true love, Rachel. But lo and behold, it was Leah. (laughs) Whoops, what's happened here? And Uncle Laban said, well, I had to marry off the oldest one first. Uh, Give me seven more years and you can have the other one as well. Rats, the conniver got connived. Because you know, Jacob was a bit of a conniver. And he got tricked by Uncle Laban. You have Issachar and Zebulun. They come later through Leah as well. You have Benjamin, who came by Rachel, uh, Jacob's true love, you would say. Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher. Dan and Naphtali come through Bilhah, who is Rachel's maid or uh, a concubine. And then Gad and Asher come by, and that's verse 4, Zilpah, who was Leah's maid. I did a chapter teaching when we went through the book of Genesis called Wrestling Sisters. These sisters were going at it because they had the same husband. And some of you say, why did God allow uh, this to happen? I thought you're supposed to only be married to one woman. It's true. But sometimes another woman was brought into a marriage because of infertility, and she would literally become a second wife to bear children to that man. I will tell you this. Whenever multiple wives happen in the Bible, it is a unmitigated disaster. Now, God allows free will, and there are different, you know... uh, Things that happen in the ancient world, they didn't have the same technologies and so forth that we have today. But when these things happened, it was a disaster. And by the way, the head of the family of Israel, Jacob, had 12 sons through four different women. That's the patriarchal family of Israel. (laughs) And if you've ever read through the story of the book of Genesis, some of it reads like a Jerry Springer week-long group of episodes. It's incredible what happens with this family. And it gives me great hope. You know why? If God can use people like that, 
perhaps he can use someone like me. Amen? Because we're all saved by grace through faith. And by the way, he couldn't have found a perfect family on the planet because there are none. So sometimes we step back and we go, those people of the Old Testament, they were a mess. Yes. Just like me and you. Now, I'm not making excuses for their blunders or their sins. There were consequences, you know, as night follows day. But there you go. There's the list. All the persons, five, who came from the loins of Jacob were 70 in number, 70 souls literally in all. But Joseph, now here's the 12th son you didn't see in the earlier verses. Joseph was already in Egypt because he was sold into slavery by his loving, jealous brothers. (laughs) But God used it all. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Genesis 50 verse 26, to keep many people alive. Genesis 50 verse 26 is the Romans 8.28 of the Old Testament We know that God works all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so God even used the jealous brothers and them selling Joseph into slavery to cause him to rise to leadership. And Joseph had his own pain, but that's what they went through. Some of the accounts, by the way, say 70 persons. Some say 75, like Acts 7, 14 probably attributed to the addition of five relatives of Joseph, Joseph from the families of Manasseh and Ephraim, which are included in the Septuagint or the Greek translation. Uh, Josephus also says 75. The Book of Jubilees says 75. But the Hebrew text says 70. It's just a different way of counting. There's no contradiction. Verse 6 says Joseph died. All his brothers, that's the patriarchal family, and all that generation. That's the end of the story. The death of Joseph. They enter into the land. They have 70, 75 persons. And there is the little nation of Israel. Do you know that that little nation of Israel, from the time they entered the land and they were so uh, bereft through infertility of some of their major uh, women and matriarchs, when they leave Egypt... Historians conservatively say 400 years later, do you know how many people are now in the nation? About 2 million people. They go from 70 to 2 million in a foreign land and in a land of slavery. That is amazing. And by the way, that is why the Egyptians were so freaked out by them. Uh, In fact, the Hebrew midwives Uh, And this is an excuse that they make, but they say that the Hebrew women are very vigorous. (laughs) We can't get there. And they've had another kid, another kid, another kid. And that's what happens. They multiply in Egypt. Now the sons, but the sons of Israel seven were fruitful and increased greatly and multiplied. They became exceedingly mighty so that the land was filled with them. They grew from 70 to uh, 70 men to 603,000 males, 20 years of age or older. You can reference Numbers 146 and 147. The Levites, by the way, were not numbered. If you add uh, 603,000 and add women and children, that's how we get to about the 2 million number. 
God said to Abram, I will establish my covenant between me and you. I will multiply you exceedingly, Genesis 17, 2. Psalm 105, 23 through 26 says, Israel also came into Egypt. Thus Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. He caused, God did his people to be very fruitful, made them stronger than their adversaries. He turned their heart to hate his people, that is Egypt, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen, and there come the ones that will bring deliverance. Now, a transition. A new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Now, notice it's a new king. You either have king or pharaoh. They're the kind of the synonymous uh, title. And he did not know Joseph. Now, Joseph was how prominent in the nation was he? He rose up to second in leadership in Egypt. He saved the nation through those dreams that he interpreted and what he thought should be done by storing grain. He was a hero in the nation. How is it that this uh, Pharaoh that rises up, and this is you know obviously a long time later, how is it that he did, does not know Joseph? Well, there's a lot of different conjecture, but this new king apparently either didn't hear about Joseph, which I find hard to believe, or there's another reason. He was uh, hesitant about this rising nation. The Israelites, says one writer, were now foreigners in a country whose government hated foreigners under a pharaoh who surely determined to prevent what uh, he saw as the miseries of the past returning. Would have had not the slightest sense of loyalty to any agreements with the Hyksos predecessors who worked with Joseph, depending on your view of the timing. The functional implication of he did not know Joseph is therefore he refused to honor any prior arrangements protecting the status of the Israelites. He just saw them as a threat and he said, this, the past may be the past, but we're no longer doing business that way. And he put aside the contributions of Joseph because it was a new government era for his people. And he forgot about the contributions of a man named Joseph. And I can't help but think of our country right now because we have forgotten about the origins of our country. If you go to the Capitol buildings in D.C., there are scriptures everywhere. Now there's a whole portion of our country who likes to mock Christians for their guns and their Bibles and uh, so forth and so on and almost ignore that the whole country was built on biblical values and the textbook in our schools was what? The Bible. But that seemingly now, at least in some circles of our country, is gone. We don't want to talk about that anymore. We're different and we're new. J. Vernon McGee says, There's always a new generation that has never heard about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's always necessary to teach the next generation what happened in the previous generations. Judges 2.10 says, All that generation, Judges 2.10, also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after the time of Joshua, after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel Judges 2.10. 
they forgot about God. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. The next topic to dive into was requested by a listener, anxiety. What is it and how do you work through it? And it catches you off guard when people do occasionally. You say, hey, how are you doing? And all of a sudden the cashier at your local grocery store starts telling you how their day is actually going. And it almost catches us off guard because we are so busy. And I think busyness is a huge contributor to anxiety. But I think that's a key thing is that Jesus takes his anxiety first and foremost to his heavenly father. So if we can kind of combine two ideas of what you shared, Pastor Shane. One is that Jesus took it to the Father in prayer. And that's a key. And that's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer Mm -hmm. and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds. So that's a wonderful remedy. To listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Jay Burnham McGee says, there's always a new generation that has never heard about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's always necessary to teach the next generation what happened in the previous generations. Judges 2.10 says, all that generation, Judges 2.10, also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after the time of Joshua, after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work of which he had done for Israel, Judges 2.10. They forgot about God. It only takes one generation. And that's why parents and grandparents, your job is to teach your children what the Lord has done for you, who he is, the truth about his nature, the truth of their value, the truth that they are made in the image of God, the truth that God has a plan for their lives, the truth that they, are, uh, they rise high above the, the animals and the, the other things on the planet. They're the singular being made in the image of God. They have great value, great purpose, and great destiny and a transcendent cause to live for while they are here on the planet. We must teach that because if we don't, who is going to? I ask you, who's going to do it if you don't do it? If you don't make church a priority, if you don't say to your next generation, whether they like it or not, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, it's going to get away from us quickly. Do you know that before COVID happened, I was reading a book, portions of a book that said, with the way the trajectory of population growth in the United States is and the younger generations who are not putting a priority on church attendance and there's a lot of them that don't, don't believe anything anymore. They, are saying, they were saying before COVID hit 
that at this rate, that churches in America will close by the thousands in the next 10 years because they will simply be unsustainable because people are putting less priority on being part of the church, giving to the work of the Lord, and churches will have to decide whether they can keep a building open, pay a pastor, or just shut down. And this trajectory, which is based upon math, says that if this continues, small churches, 350 or less, will shut down in droves in the next decade. Hmm. Do you think that's why God's allowed this to rock us a little bit? I mean, God is sovereign. Does he have our attention yet? Would you say that we've repented of our major sins as a nation since all of this went down? What do you think? These are questions that we must ponder. Psalm 106, uh, recounting, The Exodus says, Our fathers in Egypt did not understand God's wonders. Psalm 106, 7 and 8. They did not remember thine abundant kindnesses, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for the sake of his name, that he might make his power known. The fact that this uh, Pharaoh did not know Egypt, says one writer, has a stronger, more belligerent thrust The new pharaoh refuses to acknowledge the worth of Joseph's contribution to Egypt's well-being, close quote. He just won't go there. He doesn't want to talk about the past. And he said to his people, this is setting us up now for the Egyptian bondage, and we'll move quickly. He said to his people, behold, the people of Israel are more and mightier than we, probably addressing his uh, administration. Come, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and in the event of war, they also join themselves to those who hate us and fight against us and depart. That is the idea of exodus, but it is technically means ascend from the land. Now, if a war did occur, think with me for a second. If a war occurred and Israel got up and bailed from the land, why would that bother the Egyptians? Why, why would that be an issue? Just think about it. If an invading army came in from another nation and all the Israelites got up and left Egypt, why would that be an issue? Well, this particular word depart in verse 10 in the New American Standard is a Hebrew idiom. And I was reading something recently where a great case is made that the idea of the word is a rising up and that essentially this Pharaoh says to administration, if we let this go on, the Israelites are going to take over. And if there's a war, they're going to ascend. Here's the meaning of the idiom. They're going to overflow us. They'll join with our enemies and they'll take our country just like those Hyksos rulers did who were from the same ethnic uh, you know, bloodlines, if you will, or at least similar. And we can't allow that to happen again. And he stirred the pot and he, he did kind of a Hitler-type thing. It's the Jews. The Jews are the problem. We've got to do something. They're going to rise up against us. They're going to take everything that belongs to us. There's too many of them. They have too much influence. Hmm. Sound familiar? Do you know if Christians would ever realize how many there are in our nation and actually get together and become unified, we could change the world, but we're too busy fighting about the color of the carpet. And what we like and what we don't like. And 
so on. You feel me? If we realize how many people actually claim the name of Christ and we stood up and actually did something with our values, we could permeate and change the world. The word of God would spread rapidly and be honored. Amen? This is what we need to pray. It's time for revival. Let 2021 be that time. And so Pharaoh was spouting ethnic hate, propaganda, the sort, says one writer, widely employed in the modern world to justify ethnic persecution and eventually genocide. And it's happened over and over and over again in multiple countries. But one thing that happened with the way that this was set up is that Israel had to come together and they, it protected their, them as a nation and it preserved their identity. Even their enslavement did that. Now, Pharaoh, if he was so concerned about the Israelites, he could have just let them go now, right? He could have just said, you guys, are, you guys are over a million people now. Just leave our country. You know, there's some good land over there. He could have just let them go. And boy, would he have saved himself and future Pharaohs a whole lot of problems because he didn't know who he was dealing with because he is about to encounter the God of Israel. Amen? And he doesn't know who he's fighting against. Your arms are too short, Pharaoh, to box with the God of the Bible. Do you remember at the end of Cecil B. DeMille's depiction when Yul Brenner, Brenner sits down on his throne and his wife says to him, Did you kill him? Did you kill him? I want to see his blood on your sword. He says, No, I didn't kill him. And then Yul Brenner famously says, His God is God. Dun, 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 dun. It's a glorious scene. Anyway, the Lord is a warrior, Exodus 15, 3. The Lord is his name. You've been listening to The House of Bitter Bondage, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 1, 1 through 14. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, are you in need of prayer or guidance? Sometimes getting through the week has its challenges, and we have pastors ready to hear what you have to say. Whatever you're going through, please call us. Walk in Truth has pastors on staff ready to talk to you Tuesdays through Fridays during normal daytime business hours. Please call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, as we think about the bitter bondage that the children of Israel endured in Egypt, we think about the fact that so many are in bondage to sin. And there is a freedom that comes when you come to know the God of truth, the God who sets people free. And that's really what we're getting at as we study the book of Exodus, the exit from Egypt the power of God's delivering hand, no matter where you are today, whatever, you know, uh, chains you drag along, whatever uh, bars you feel like you are behind. Uh, maybe you are literally behind bars today. Um, whatever it may be, the Lord is the one who sets people free. He came to set the captives free. And that's really what this book is all about. It's a picture of the gospel and the delivering power of God. 
Now, one of the best ways that you can get built up in your most holy faith is be connected to a local church. I pastor Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. We're located pretty much where the 91 and 15 freeways intersect. We're uh, right off of Lincoln and River. So those are two pretty main streets on the north side of Corona. Hey, if you want to join us on Sunday morning, we do two main services, 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. We also have a Spanish service happening at 1 p.m. You can find out information and driving directions to those two services or even the afternoon one at walkintruth.com. Click on the church tab. That's walkintruth.com. Click on the church tab. Hey, invite family and friends out. We have a wonderful time of worship. The Bible teaching that you hear on this uh, broadcast is from the pulpit of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. Hey, and if you're a radio listener and you come on out this Sunday, I would love to meet you. Say hi. Let us know that you listen to Walk in Truth. We're grateful for all of you who listen, our listening family, our partners, our prayer partners, all of you who are praying for us. We are so grateful. Hey, if you can support us, remember you can always go to walkintruth.com and uh, you can support us monthly as well and make sure we keep the message getting out there. We so appreciate it. Make sure you're part of the body this weekend. God bless you. We'll see you right here on Sunday or Monday. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $20 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us on Monday for Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 1, 15-22, called The Bravery of the Midwives. I'm Mike Massaro. Have a fantastic weekend, and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.